I have to admit, this gospel really kind of rings true for me this last week, having traveled with our kids to the National Catholic Youth Conference in Indianapolis and then spending some time with my family. People weren't quite sure when I was getting back into town, so I started getting text messages on Thursday. No, I'm not at home. I'm at Disney World. I got texts on Friday. No, I'm in Chicago. What are you doing in Chicago? Well, because United doesn't go straight from Orlando to Oklahoma City. You got to either go through Houston or Chicago. So I'm in Chicago. Oh, you're going to be there for long? No. No, I'm going home. We got back, then I found out that Clinton and Elk City were playing in the semifinals for the football game. We lost. But got to go and see the first half of the football game, and I was pondering this gospel as I was traveling of what is it that we watch for? Do we watch and wait for things that truly matter? Do we watch and see, okay, is Ohio State going to beat Michigan this week? And if the higher team loses, does that mean Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have no chance in the playoffs? Do we watch and see how long is Father's homily going to be this week? Because you know the game starts in an hour and 15 minutes, right? I mean, let's go, Father. Yeah, I've got a clock. I see it. I know. Or do we watch the things that are important? Do we look to the things that truly give us purpose? We know about the Advent wreath. We see it every year. We light candles. Some of us may even have them at our dinner tables where we eat dinner together as a family every night without electronics. I'm sorry, I'm talking to like 30 years ago. There's a hope there, which is perfect because this first candle of Advent is the candle of hope. Hope in a new beginning. Hope in the Lord, hope where we can only find that true hope in Christ Jesus. As we begin our new liturgical year with the season of Advent, it is supposed to bring us to hope. So it's kind of interesting that it happens in the dullness of winter, where it's dark by the time you get to Mass, and the light doesn't come back up until you get to Mass again in the morning at 8 o'clock in Sayer. That normally when we think of hope, we think of what? We think of sunlight. We think of a nice, cool spring or summer breeze and 70 degrees. It was 42 when I got off the airplane yesterday. I was not hoping to get 42 degrees in Oklahoma when I got back from 75 in Florida. But it reminded me that this world is not what we're hoping for. That our true hope comes from he who we put our faith into. Hope in the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. Hope that what we have been told is true. In fact, I just watched last week with one of my priest friends the new C.S. Lewis biographical movie. If you like biographies, go see it. If not, don't. It's a little slow. But in that movie, you see this unwilling convert. How many times have we said we've willingly come to Mass? I was at Joy when someone walked in and said, my grandson said he wants to go to Mass. And so I couldn't say anything, but okay, let's go. But how many times do we allow our children to tell us something and we say yes when we should be saying no? And how many times do we say no when we should truly be saying yes? I don't want to go today. I mean, if bedlam is happening, I have to have the food on the table by the time the game starts. That's what halftime's for. You drink the first two quarters and you eat the second two quarters. Don't you know these things? Come on. I'm young and I know these things. 
We look at the wrong things so many times in life, don't we? It was funny, I had someone before Mass that said, now Father, you can't preach for a long time tonight because the game starts at 6.30. He's like, you don't know that I think I know when Bedlam is? I've got players on both teams that I'm friends with. Of course I know when it starts. It's at 7, right? We look forward to 6.30, for those who didn't know. But we look forward so many times to things that at the end of the day don't really matter. Did you just say that Bedlam doesn't matter, Father? How dare you? In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't. It's not going to bring you salvation. It may bring you bragging rights in the house. It may bring you bragging rights with your mother-in-law because they were a Poke fan or a Sooner fan and you're the other. But ultimately, that doesn't matter. What matters is how we can embrace God's love. And that's what we're here for tonight, to find new ways to experience the love of God. But we get so pushed off by the world so easily, so many times, we allow things that don't really matter to get under our skin and keep us from seeing God's presence. I saw that in different people in the airport this weekend. My first flight, I got to Houston, and then, all right, I had to zip from one end of Houston airport to the other. I do not recommend that. I'm fat. I don't run. I got there about five minutes before boarding was supposed to happen just to find out the pilots for your flight are asleep because they've passed their time. We're going to try and find new pilots for your flight. I said, well, please wake them up. <laughs> and three hours later, we got on our way. And I could have been disgruntled, I could have been frustrated, but it's like, ah, I get to relax. I did not plan for this. The Lord planned it for me. Was it an inconvenience? Yeah, I didn't get to see my family three hours earlier like I had hoped. I got to spend time in the airport, have a nice lunch that I didn't expect to have at all, have a nice beer, because it's vacation. I got to spend time compressing and decompressing from the last awesome experience where I had the biggest witness of hope this year. Having gone with six kids from our parish and with Katie to the National Catholic Youth Conference, 17 hours-ish, it was about 14 hours, adding the stop 17 hours on a bus. What about this says I want to sit on a charter bus for 17 hours? Not just one way, but two ways. But we got there. 15 minutes of sleep on the way out. First thing we did, went to the rooms. Don't take a nap. Oh, but Father, I'm tired. You're 13, you'll be okay. I'm 36, I'm old and fat. And then I realized I'm really not that old. But in the midst of that, I saw 12,000, not 1,200, not 120, 12,000 young people coming together praising the Lord. And each and every one of our kids that came to witness Christ's love it was beautiful. One of the guys, so much so that the whole time that we were walking, he said, hey, Father, can I go talk to that monk? Can I go talk to that priest? Can I go talk to that friar? That looks like an interesting life. We went to NCYC. We may have a future priest. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> 
But when we open ourselves up to things and we don't know where they lead us, that's when the Lord takes us where we need to be. So I hope during this Advent season, when we truly use it as that preparation season for the coming of Christ at Christmas, that we use it as an opportunity to hope, to find love in the world, and where we don't find it, to be it in the world, to bring hope to a fallen world that's always looking at the signs of the time. Oh, but Father, don't you know the latest prophecy? Which one? Y2K, the Mayan calendar, 2020? Yeah, I lived through all those too. The Lord tells us to watch, to wait, to be prepared. That if today is my last day on earth, what have I left unsaid? What have I left undone? Reflect upon it. And then go and do it. Go and say it if it needs to be said and needs to be done. And if not, the game starts at 6.30. Enjoy the process of life. Enjoy the journey of life. That our goal has nothing to do with that game tonight or any other things here on earth. For our everlasting goal is unity with Christ. And we can get there as a body of Christ, not because of anything that we do, but because of what he has already done. So as we begin our Advent journey, may we have hope in the resurrection, may we have hope in eternal life, and may we be hope in the world that is looking for a savior.